This morning we're at the next in our series, Anointed, where we're going through Isaiah 61, and we're still in verse 1. I'm going to read a few verses, and then I'm going to read some verses from Luke chapter 14. Uh, they're going to come up behind me on the screen. So uh, this, is, uh, this is what they say. So Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners. That's what Chris was talking about, chains being broken. This is what it says in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus is uh, going to the temple for the uh, synagogue. It says, he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is reading what Isaiah has written hundreds of years before, and he's referencing it and drawing attention to himself. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. Father, we ask that you would speak to us through your word today. On this Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, we pray that you would speak to us and meet with us in Jesus' name. Jean-Jacques Rousseau, the 18th century philosopher, once said this, man is born free and is everywhere in chains. Man is born free and is everywhere in chains. Since time immemorial, chains have understandably been used as a metaphor for things that hold us captive, restrict us, or control us. It's why we use phrases like being tied down with a ball and chain. And this metaphor runs right throughout the Bible. Our challenge, though, is most of us are unaware of the chains that keep us in bondage. And even when we do realize there are chains holding us in, in uh, uh, restricting us, we're rarely capable of doing anything to remove them without someone else's help. If you think of an illustration of a tiger that's been uh, in captivity for years and it's been restricted in a cage, and what the tiger does, it, it learns to pace up and down. And it walks across the front of the cage, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, all day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And so when that tiger is taken out of the cage and released into a measure of freedom, 
often you will see that that uh, ingrained behavior carries on and the tiger just keeps walking around in lines. The bars have gone, the cage has gone, but is still walking in captivity. Are we walking through this life thinking we're free but are in fact controlled by invisible chains? Maybe these are the result of past events which still haunt us and influence us. Many live by chains caused by events that we had no control over, things done to us, tragic life experiences, relationship breakups, genetic disorders. For others, they're the, the consequences of past mistakes and failures, which we just don't seem to be able to shake off. They seem to dog us all our days. Many of us have ringing in our ears, unkind or cruel things that were said to us or about us maybe years and years ago. You're useless. You'll never amount to anything. Perhaps our lives being controlled by how we see ourselves or how we think others see us. How many teenagers today are held in chains over self-image. What about habits that dominate our lives, which we never intended to form, but now we just don't seem to be able to break? I remember working with someone many years ago who was, had a beautiful family, young family, but was having an affair. And I remember talking to him about it, and he said, he said, Steve, it's like I'm on a roller coaster and I just can't get off. I can't stop. Back in the 18th century, the English writer Samuel Johnson put it like this. The chains of habit are generally too small to be felt until they're too strong to be broken. We are born in chains enslaved in bodies that are decaying from our first breath, with personalities we can work on but we fundamentally can't change, backgrounds we can overcome but never delete, experiences we can channel but rarely forget, circumstances we can rise above but never prevent, decisions we live with but can never undo. We live in a world that champions freedom, but never delivers it. If we manage to escape some of the chains holding us captive, we find that there are others underneath. No wonder so many are living uninhibited, unfulfilled, struggling lives with physical issues, social frailties, mental battles it wasn't meant to be like this the bible is clear god created us perfect very good it says in genesis chapter 1 verse 31 the life he intended for us was to be challenging exciting and full of purpose 
God meant for us to enjoy the freedom he had planned for us. And it all went wrong. When we chose to live without reference to him, the one who created us. And the result is we're now ensnared in chains, the root of which the Bible calls sin. In Psalm 107, verses 10 and 11, the writer says this, Others sat in darkness and gloom, prisoners in cruel chains, because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the counsel of the Most High. Sin takes us captive. Jesus says whoever sins is a slave to it. Paul reinforces this in Romans chapter 6. In truth, we are enslaved by whatever masters us. What we heard earlier from Chris as he shared this story was someone who was enslaved by behaviors and habits, some things that had happened to him in the past that had caused such deep pain, such reaction. He was in chains that he couldn't break. He was mastered by his past and his emotions. And yet the good news is this Easter Sunday morning, God hasn't left us to what we deserve or even what has happened to us in the past. He hasn't left us in chains without hope. The good news is that he has come with a promise of freedom. In 1942, the commander of American forces in the Philippines, Douglas MacArthur, as he left the Philippines, as the enemy was pushing them out, he stood and promised he would return and bring freedom. And he kept his word. Several years later, he returned and brought freedom. And they fought for freedom. Throughout the Old Testament, the good news is also that there is freedom coming, but it's veiled in shadows. There are hints of a greater freedom to come. There are stories throughout the Old Testament of chains being broken, captives being released, and a temporary freedom being won. But those are just foreshadows of a greater freedom that was to come. The Exodus that we read about in uh, the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, as God brings his people out of Egypt through Moses, is a picture of a greater Exodus that will happen one day as God comes and sets his people free from the bondage and slavery of sin. The Old Testament prophets like Isaiah that we uh, read earlier, right at the beginning, foretold of God's promise to send a Messiah, a deliverer, who would break, we read in Isaiah chapter 58 verse 6, he would break the chains of wickedness to untie the ropes of the yoke. The yoke, a yoke that uh, goes over animals that just constrains them and controls them. Break the yoke, untie the ropes of the yoke to set the oppressed free and to tear off every yoke. But we live in days when promises are easily made and easily broken. 
No wonder we expect so little from those in authority over us who make promises that they never deliver. Yet God is not a man that he should lie. The Bible says that God is not slow in keeping his promises. But he doesn't measure time as we measure time. He always does things in his own good and perfect time. And as we've seen in recent weeks, the promised Messiah, the one who would come and break chains, the one who was anointed by God, was sent at just the right time to set us free. And in Jesus' first recorded visit to the synagogue in Luke's gospel, which we read at the beginning, we read Jesus declaring that he came to break the chains of captivity that ensnare us. This is how the Apostle Paul describes it in Romans chapter 7, verses 21 to 25. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Any of you know what that feels like? You want to do the right thing, but you end up doing the wrong thing. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. The promise of freedom is bound up in Jesus Christ. It's why we need an encounter with God's Son. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, For freedom Christ set us free. If Jesus carries the promise of freedom, then Good Friday reminds us of the price of freedom. We were hearing last week, for those of you who are here, Angela Kem, who was speaking, who was around in the days apartheid fell and Nelson Mandela was released from prison. And he was released from captivity after 27 years, many of which were on Robben Island. And the price of freedom that was fought for was huge. They referred to back in those days in South Africa as the struggle. Those who pressed through, who fought the oppression and the chains of apartheid. Breaking those chains were costly. Breaking chains and freeing captives comes at price. If you've ever seen the film Braveheart, at the end of Braveheart, William Wallace is being executed. He's the leader of the, the Scottish rebels. And we hear as he's being, as he's dying breath, as he's dying in great pain, he makes this great cry, freedom! And as he dies, he inspires Robert the Bruce to lead the Scots to victory over English oppressors. That is just a film. It's not even an accurate retelling of history. But we know, we know in the days we live in, we live in days where we enjoy freedom that were won for us by those who gave their lives, paid the ultimate price that we would live in freedom. 
not enslaved. If the battle for freedom is costly, spiritually, that's also the case. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Separation from God, that's what we deserve. We deserve nothing less. We've already seen that the Bible says that we have all sinned, we've all fallen short of His glory, His perfect plan for our lives. And to free us from the chains of sin, God who is rich in mercy while we were still far from Him sent His only Son to rescue us, to die as our substitute. Jesus never sinned. He died on our behalf, the innocent for the guilty. The price of our freedom cost God everything, the very life of his precious son. One of the great Bible words is redemption. And the word is a picture of a Roman slave market. And you imagine a a slave uh, in the Roman world there uh, in chains to stop them running away, maybe. And they're in a slave market and someone comes along and they pay the price to buy the slave. They redeem them. They buy the slave. They pay the price for the slave. And when they, the slave is given to them, they just set them free. They say, you're a free person. The price of redemption has been paid. That is what Jesus did for us. It's a picture of what Jesus did for us. He set us free. He didn't just pay the price, but he sets us free. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. His grace. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. He did it for us because he loved us when we were unlovely. We have been bought at a price. The price has been paid and we are free if we put our trust in him. If you have never done that today, let me encourage you, put your trust in one who will set you free. Set you free. If Good Friday is a reminder of the price of freedom, then Easter Sunday brings the presence of freedom. Jesus' resurrection from the dead is proof that sin and death no longer reigns over him, no longer rules him. Paul simply says that if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then our faith, those who put their trust in him, is futile. We're still in our sins and we are to be more pitied than all people. Yet Jesus Christ is risen. He's alive. Jesus exhibited freedom. Death and sin had no power over him. Jesus, only Jesus can bring us true and lasting freedom from chains. And that's what the early church preached. In Acts 10.38 we read, this is their message. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil because God was with him. But what about us? What about us? It's easy to say we're free and live lives that are not. 
I remember someone years ago telling me that they'd been set free from smoking, but as they're talking to me, all I can smell is the smell of cigarettes on their breath. We can deceive ourselves in talking about freedom, but be in chains. Freedom is more than words. The evidence has changed lives. If you have received a, 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 a an email from the church over the last three days, there is a link in it to a video from from a number of people on Good Friday from Viv and Alistair. Extraordinary testimony about how God broke through. On Easter Saturday, Paulette and Gabrielle about how God was with them and through the midst of cancer treatment. And this morning, Viv's beautiful testimony about how God was with her through the pain of losing her daughter and her husband to cancer. And all of them testified that Jesus was with them and Jesus set them free. It rarely happens overnight But like in Chris's testimony we heard earlier, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to change us if we'll let him. Some of this happens as we understand what Jesus has done and accomplished for us. It's why we encourage people to believe in freedom in Christ and to do courses. Jesus himself says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You'll be really free. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus, it's this, we read of Jesus' last recorded visit to a synagogue. We read earlier Jesus' first recorded visit to a synagogue in Luke's gospel. In Luke 13, we read the last one. And in the last one, we see him in the synagogue. And as he's speaking, We see him proving what God long promised, that there would be freedom for captives. Jesus sets a woman free who's been crippled for 18 long years. We're told this, he sees her in the crowd. He sees her as he's speaking. And he calls her forward. And he tells her she is set free. And then he lays his hands on her. And then he says this. He says this to everybody else watching on. Should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? After his resurrection, Jesus commissioned his followers, commissioned people like us to carry on his work. He's given us his authority and poured his Holy Spirit out to enable us to do just that. And it's why we read in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the things they did were the sort of things that Jesus did because the Holy Spirit was with them. We read about Peter and John in Acts 3 uh, uh, at the Gate Beautiful. On the way to worship, they meet a guy who's in chains, being crippled all his life, he's late, and in a moment, he's set free. I want you to know today, Jesus Christ has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he still breaks chains. 
He sets people free from the chains of our past. Unforgiveness, jealousy, pride, greed, lust, addictions. He sets us free from the past impact of sin on our lives, things that people have done to us and uh, things that we've experienced, what others have said, the mistakes we've made and the failure we've made of things, the lies we've believed. He sets us free from chains of fruitfulness that mark our, fruitlessness that mark our lives. Is your life marked by fruitlessness? You're longing for a breakthrough, but you feel like you're chained. He sets us free by the power of the Holy Spirit through hearing God's word, believing, putting it into practice. Jesus said, you'll know the truth. It will set you free. Sometimes God does it immediately. Other times it's little by little, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. Sometimes he uses friends who hold us accountable and help us. People who pray for us continually. Through doing uh, courses, tools that help us. But why shouldn't he do it when we gather to worship the resurrected Christ on Easter Sunday morning? Why shouldn't he do it today? Why shouldn't he do it this morning? This morning, we're simply going to follow Jesus' example. I'm going to ask him to presence himself by his Holy Spirit. If you know that you have been battling with chains and that God has been speaking to you, I'm just going to ask you, as we close our eyes, I'm just going to ask you to stand and I'm going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, we want to ask that you come right now. We thank you that as we ask, you come. You hear our cry. Thank you that you're here, moving amongst us, Holy Spirit. You dwell within us, but as we corporately gather, you move amongst us. We believe that's true. So if you know this morning, if you know that you've been held in chains, there are things in your past, things that you've, habits that you don't seem to be able to break. Maybe it's things that people have said about you which just have dominated your lives. I know what that's like. I lived with that for years. Maybe it's what other people's expectations of you. Maybe it's things you did wrong, failures, mistakes that you just don't seem to shake off. They always seem to be there in the back of your mind. Whatever it is, if that's you, I'd just like to invite you as we have our eyes closed to stand. And I'm just going to pray for you. Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are the one who breaks chains. We say you are the resurrected Christ. We say death could not hold you. You broke the chains of death and they are broken once and for all. And so, Lord Jesus, these precious people in front of you right now, 
Would you break every chain over them, every lie that's been spoken over them, the impact of things that have been done to them? I pray that you would break chains over them. Holy Spirit, in this moment, right now, would you break chains? Set people free. I pray, Father, that they would know that the past is gone. The old has gone and the new has come and they're new creations in Christ. May they know it in a way they've not known it before. I pray for the power of things that have held them. I pray that they will be broken and they would start to learn to walk, to, uh, to walk in the light as you're in the light. Break chains. Break chains over people. For those who've been experiencing fruitlessness, we break the chains of fruitlessness over their lives. We break the chains of fruitlessness over their lives. Father, we pray that you would bring about the conception of fruitfulness in their lives. Lord Jesus, do that we ask in your precious name. Just reach out your hands right now. God, come on them. Touch them by your power, I pray. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Okay, you can take your seats. We're going we're gonna, to uh, get the children. So if, you've got, if your parents and your children are out in the children's, why don't you uh, go and collect your children now? What we're going to do is this. We're just going to spend just a, a few moments at the end of our time together just celebrating what Jesus has done for us. So as parents go to get their kids, they're going to bring them back in and the kids are going to join us. But we're going to celebrate what Jesus has done. I just want to read this to you. So the musicians are going to come and join me for when the, the kids come back in. But I want to read you some verses from Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to listen to this. Because, this is what it says in the message version in Ephesians 1 verses 7 to 14. I just want you to listen to this. Let it sink into your spirits. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah... That's Jesus. His blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people. Free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either. Abundantly free. He, Jesus, thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need. Letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in Him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Let me read that again. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, 
He had his eye on us, had his designs on us. He had his designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and in everyone. It is in Christ that you once heard the truth and believed it. This message of salvation. You found yourselves home, free, signed, sealed and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This down payment from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us. A praising and glorious life. Hallelujah.